Hey everyone, this is Joel Stegman, one of the pastors at Resurrection State Church. If you're listening to this, you stumbled onto our Q&R podcast, Question and Response, um, around our recent sermon series, which we called Walk by the Spirit. Uh, We wrapped that up on Sunday, and in that series, we tried to define Christian spirituality um, centered around the Holy Spirit. We wanted to talk about why that matters. Uh, You know, my goal was to try to stretch people in some ways as well, and and really just talk about what it looks like, um, especially as we really dive into Scripture. And uh, what we did with the last sermon is we opened it up for some questions. Um, and normally we get a lot of a lot of good questions in when we do this Q&R thing. Um, we actually didn't get any. So we planned this podcast. We, we were planning to base it around questions that we got uh, on Sunday, but we didn't get any. So what we're going to do is we're still going to we're still going to do the podcast. But what we're going to do is we're just going to try to have a conversation about the series, about the Holy Spirit and and just kind of talk about different experiences and beliefs that the different people um, that are doing this podcast have about Christian spirituality. Um, we did this series because we think this, the Holy Spirit is fundamentally tied to all of Christian life. And we don't want it to let it become the forgotten God, like Francis, Francis Chan has called it. There's a book he wrote about a decade or so ago, uh, kind of encouraging us to not be not forget the Holy Spirit, but neither can I, I do. I think we can let it be become untethered and all we're chasing is status or experience or something else that comes from the spirit that is not the point of God giving us the spirit. So we're going to get into a bunch of that stuff today. We're just going to kind of just hear different experiences. And I think it's, it's cool to hear from someone other than me because I did a lot of the preaching in this series. So who I have joining me today, two different people from Rest City. Uh, first, we have a member from our leadership team, Krista Schroeder. Hello. And then community group leader. And Luke, Luke has done a ton of stuff at Rest City, so I could go on a long resume for Luke. Um, Luke Sandstrom. Hey, everyone. All right, so let's let's hop into it. Uh, we got a couple of questions. We're just going to try to work through, get to get to know. I want to start by getting to know your experience, though, when it comes to really engaging with the Holy Spirit. Um, so, tell us a little bit your story. Um, you know what you have experienced, what you've learned, how um, kind of just how you've seen people talk about the Spirit in different church settings. And why don't we start with you, Krista? All right. Um, so. Just growing up, I the church I went to in high school was very spirit-filled. Um, until middle of my high school year, there was this dispute between a couple of families where people were wondering if the Holy Spirit was still active or not, and that caused our church to split. So my family was on the side of, of course, the Holy Spirit is is still alive and active, and and so I think they leaned into that, and that formed a lot of my core beliefs about the Spirit. Um, And then when I got to college, a lot of my friends were very charismatic and I saw so much spiritual growth in college. Um, God really taught me a lot about patience, self-control, a lot of the fruit of the spirit, but I want to share like a really embarrassing story that I've been thinking about this whole sermon series um, because it was also, I think, formative for me as somebody who was a college student growing in her own faith. Um, But there was one night it was me and my roommates were in our apartment. This was like an on-campus apartment and it was the middle of winter in, in Moorhead, Minnesota. So outside was freezing inside our apartment, it was really humid. 
um, it's probably 10 o'clock at night. And my friend burst into our apartment and he had all his other friends and he was just so excited. He's like, I just came from this other guy's house and we were praying and you got to get me a quarter. So like we're pulling out all of our laundry change. And he's like, watch this. I'm going to pray and this quarter will stick to the wall. <laughs> and so we're like watching and he's like, look, and he like put it on it, slid off the wall. And he's like, watch this. He's like, in the name of Jesus. And the quarter after he prayed really hard over it, it stuck to the wall. And all of us were getting really excited at that point. There was just a lot of energy in the room. <laughs> so I'm embarrassed about this, but I was like, oh my gosh, like the spirit is alive and active. And I was so excited about it that after they left, my one of my roommates who was, you know, stayed faithfully by my side, she's my roommate for three years in college. Um, and we're still good friends. And she's not necessarily an enthusiastic Christian by any means. She was just sitting in the corner watching us the whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, wasn't that amazing? And she goes, Krista, look. And she took a quarter and she just shoved it really hard into the wall, our humid wall with really like probably 12 layers of, of paint because of, you know, what college students do to apartment walls. And it stuck there. And um, it just, it bent my mind. Like she said in more wisdom than I had at the time, like, why would God choose to stick a quarter to the wall? <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's like the question I kind of ask myself now when I am seeking out the spirit. It's like, could God stick a quarter to the wall? Yes, he totally could. But is he going to do that? Um, probably not. There's probably another explanation. Um, and there are greater things that I can seek out when I'm pursuing a relationship or a conversation with God. Um, but it just as an adult, it just makes me think. I heard a theory once that Christians like conspiracy theories. And it's because we feel like we're maybe set apart and special. And I, I believe that we are. But I think when we do things like I did in college, where you try and pray for a quarter to stick to the wall, it's very much just missing, missing the point of what God is capable of by looking for just thrilling things. Yeah. So uh, my experience growing up, I was born into a very charismatic Pentecostal kind of faith tradition. And so ever since I can remember on church, um, the spirit moving on a Sunday and people screaming in tongues and prophesying and casting out demons and getting healed was just any given Sunday. And so it's very much just the norm. Um, but what I think it, it did for me is it created a framework of a very physical expression of the spirit. And so a lot of what is also listed as the spirit moving in the New Testament was kind of downgraded. And honestly, like even as a young kid, I started to feel a little judgment against other faith believers that didn't have as much as this physical outpouring in a way. Um, but when I look back at it now, it, it's so interesting to, and we'll mention this a lot tonight, is the Galatians 5 kind of test of the fruit of the Spirit and to see being in various faith traditions that had this outward expression of the Spirit, but yet behind the scenes, the church I went to went through four church splits. I mean, there were nasty arguments. There were egos at play in the pulpit. Um, there was <laughs> money fraud going on. I mean, there's just so much things. It's like it doesn't even pass this through the spirit test. But all that is washed away because this idea of like, well, if we're not in God's will, this crazy stuff wouldn't be happening. And so as I've gotten older and kind of refined and thought through some things and kind of created my own kind of way of looking at spirituality, one thing I've had to unlearn is really the um, desire of us to go first to the physical things. 
and actually and exemplify those or value and prioritize those over a lot of the other ways the spirit moves. And so I'm still kind of constructing what it kind of means to me, but um, it's amazing how much the way we're raised and the way we grow up really kind of feeds into what our worldview is, even as adults. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can share a little bit of my background as well. Um, I grew up going to a church as a as a Lutheran church, um, and we we very rarely talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, we did we did do the Apostles' Creed each week where we we did talk about the Holy Spirit, but that was about it. <laughs> um, and so I went to college. I had some friends who, who had gone ahead of me, who were had started going to very Pentecostal church and campus ministry. And so I just kind of followed them to it. And it was like a, you know, night and day sort of situation for me where I kind of went from the setting where we never talked about the Holy spirit to a setting where we always talked about the Holy spirit. Like it was the point of every, I felt like sermon uh, was to kind of have this experience. Um, And so I kind of dove into this like world without, thinking about it much before having thought about much about beforehand and um you know it was uh kind of a bit of whiplash for me um you know and and like I want to say it's up front I really believe the spirit was moving and the people that I was there with really you know did do did and do love Jesus um but I also don't want to like sugarcoat it because I actually kind of soured on it and got really confused because I wasn't having the experiences other people were having. Um, you know, I had someone pray to try to baptize me in the Holy spirit and I never spoke in tongues. It was a very awkward experience for me, if I'm being really honest. And I kind of wondered like, what's, is there something wrong with me that this isn't happening? Is this what, you know, faith is supposed to look like? Am I doing something wrong? And in a lot of ways it kind of left me reeling and I really embraced a very rational form of faith after that very uh i think very grounded on what i could know and learn um and 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 um explain rationally and through scripture you know and that was a sort of like a overreaction i think to that um and and i think i i realized at one point that that's where i had landed and i i for a long time have kind of wanted to soften um soften that and to kind of return to you know more of a to try to figure out what a healthy like charismatic experience of walking in the spirit looks like but I haven't always known how to and so honestly for me personally this this series and at least the sermons I preached in it um because I know Krista you preached one and and Julie preached one as well but at least my sermons in it were kind of a bit of me processing my way through that and trying to come back to a place where you know, I find a role for this as being central and a part of my normal Christian experience, but in a way that I think, at least from what I was, you know, feeling in that time is, I think, more healthy and more sort of grounded, um, especially, in, I think, in what scripture says. And so actually, that's the question I have for you guys next. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when people talk about the spirit experience and stories that they have or stories that they've heard from other people can sort of Form your theology and that becomes the foundation and structure of what you're telling other people it looks like to walk in by the spirit or to have um you know spiritual experience spirituality um and i actually think you know like everything we we should be trying to go back to scripture to use that as our foundation for 
how we build theology and practice for ourselves as we are, you know, being discipled and walking with Jesus. So I would love to hear for you guys, um, what are your kind of foundational scripture passages that you use as you start to think about what a healthy um, Christ-centered spirituality looks like? Yeah, I got a couple that come to mind, but I think for me, what helped a lot was actually zooming out a little bit more and having kind of understanding of how to divide up the Bible and how you even understand it and how it applies to your life. So what's been really helpful for me and what I often kind of share with people who are newer to the Bible is when you're reading it, generally speaking, most of the content can fall under two kind of buckets. You have descriptive and prescriptive. And so you have the Bible describing the things that happen or prescribing what believers should do. And Joel talked about this in the sermon. Like we, we don't read the book of Judges and think Judges is prescribing what we should do to people. It's describing the horrific nature that happened and human nature. And we see ourselves in that, unfortunately, in some ways. But even when you get in the prescriptive bucket of teachings, mostly we see in the New Testament, there still are pieces that we understand are contextual or are cultural. And so even though the Bible says, let's do this thing, we still understand kind of a further breakdown. So where I go, the next step down is I look at message and methods. And so I look at something that Paul or Peter would say in the New Testament and say, is what they're trying to convey here part of the gospel message? Or is it a method by which they are um, conveying the message to the people there? And so Honestly, this is a little bit of oversimplification, but I think a lot of the denominational differences within Christianity fall can fall on this spectrum. You have people who see, let's say, tongues, for instance, as part of the message, even some would say part of salvation, and other people would say it's a method by which the message is shared, and maybe that method is still being used today, maybe we think it died out a thousand years ago. Um, and so I think this framework can help you when you kind of dissect what matters now, what applies, what doesn't, and how it kind of comes to here. For me, I have kind of landed on seeing gifts um, kind of as a method by which the gospel message is shared. And so for me, I look at where, where Paul talks about, like, what is the purpose of the gifts? The purpose is to edify the church. Um, I In Corinthians 13, Paul talks about the whole point of this is love. You can have all of these gifts, but if you do not have love, it is worthless. It's, it's pointless. Um, but even, you know, if, if you have a tendency to swing to say like the gifts don't even exist anymore, they're not in practice. I even look at first Thessalonians where it says, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy. I do think, and I'm guilty of this just as much as anyone else as we do sometimes try to fit God into our theology or into our life. We kind of tell God how he can interact with us. And so for me, not quenching the spirit is something that has been a constant reminder for me because I have a tendency to feel that's a little weird, uncomfortable. I'm not going to go there and I can quench the spirit in some ways. And then probably just like my lifelong thing is Galatians 5, the list of the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit is such a good control sample or a metric when you're trying to find things in your life and other people's lives, who to trust, who not. It's just very helpful the way it lines up and you can see what bucket things fall into by referencing those. Um, so kind of top of my head, those kind of stick out for me. Yeah, Luke, I want to circle back to something you said. Um, I think it's important. You know, I think we have all, I don't know, Krista, I guess I don't know for, for you quite as much, but I know Luke, you for sure have been in settings where tongues is like a really important part of spirituality. 
you know, a very essential part of what it looks like to walk by the spirit. Can you just explain that Luke real quickly and how, what that means in the settings you've been in? And Chris, if you want to chime in, you can too. Um, but what does that mean? And what does that look like where that is such a central part of um, walking by the spirit for some yeah, people? No, yeah. yeah, I can, I can start off because I've been in a, a couple of different Pentecostal circles. And so it kind of floats all over the place. And I'll also say another kind of metric that I would also bring up to methods and methods is also um, emphasis. And so you see this with tongues and you see this in other areas. So another example is like, what we would quantify as um, the prosperity gospel is not scriptures they're making up. It's we're reading the same Bible. They're just overemphasizing certain things and underemphasizing other things. And so that's where we get in these theology difference. We're all quoting the same thing, but we land on totally different things. And so tongues for me, the, the faith community I grew up in, tongues and being baptized was a sign that you were actually saved. And so if you did not go through those two experiences, you were not a part of the body of Christ. Um, as I kind of grew up and went into different, different circles, it became more of a kind of second rebirth. So a, a repentance is kind of the first, what you call salvation or coming to Christ. And then this baptism of the Holy Spirit is seen as a, a second rebirth, the Spirit resting on in some ways. And so and there's some scriptural um, references and acts that people would look to. And so, um, and then you can have people who also would say, utilize tongues and more of like a tongues interpretation thing. So it's almost like a prophecy kind of edifying the church in circles. So there can be confusions about like individual tongues and then like corporate tongues. So it gets very muddy, very quick. Um, but I've been all over the spectrum, whether it's you're not saved if you're not, and that naturally leads to kind of a elitism or an othering of of people. And then I've seen it all the way to the other end, again, where people would say all the gifts are completely dead. Those were specific for that time and, and no longer in play. So I've been all over the spectrum when it comes to Christian theology around gifts. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say um, there's like, yeah, you have the very, very charismatic settings, which is where tongues is a big part. And then the opposite of that, which you just kind of mentioned, is sometimes called cessationism, Luke, where it's like this view that the gifts of the spirit have ceased. Um, they were kind of in operation for the apostolic church, which you read about in Acts and in some of Paul's letters. But then at a certain point in their ministry, actually, the gifts ceased. The job of the gifts were just to get the church off the ground and then they're they're gone now. Um, and that's that's a position some Christians hold as well. Um, one, I, I will just say I wouldn't agree with, but I know um, some people who do. So, Crystal, let's go to you. Um, what are yeah. some scripture passages that you find to be foundational and how you think about the spirit? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, there's a couple. I just going back to tongues. I had never have been in a member of a church that has believed in it, but it does. One of the verses that I pulled for this was Romans 826 which is in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And I've been prayed over in tongues. And I just remember there was like a, a really sweet comfort in being able to pray or have somebody with you, like praying emotionally to the spirit um, when you really don't have anywhere to go <laughs> like that you can reason with. So yeah, it is. Yeah. That's my, 
only connection. And that was a really sweet thing. But um, another verse that has always been important to me, it's the spirit of second Timothy one seven. That's when Paul is writing to Timothy, this newer leader. Um, and he tells Timothy for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Just this, this idea, I think um, my baseline is anxious and fearful, and I, I don't think it matters what I do. Um, and this kind of reminds me, Luke, what you were talking about, about not quenching the spirit, but it's like, we don't have to be that because Jesus has conquered all with his death. And we have, um, we can tap into a spirit of power, love and self-discipline and, and not one of fear to do what he's called us to do. Um, and because we really have nothing to lose at this point. Awesome. Yeah. I'll just say for me, I think, you know, Luke, you kind of hit up on, you mentioned Galatians 5, um, 22 and 23, where well, really that whole passage, Paul setting this contrast between walking by the spirit and then kind of living out in the flesh. And when he talks about like how, you know, you're walking by the spirit and he lists those fruit. I think that was a really big like light bulb moment for me when, as I was kind of going through the story that I was kind of sharing a little bit earlier to say, Hey, when the spirit is in operation, you see this stuff, like that's the main thing you look for. It's not, um, it's not, it's not necessarily very exciting outward shows. It's not sticking quarters on walls. <laughs> like you said, Krista, not that God couldn't do that, but when you see the spirit in operation, you're going to see these fruit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control like that. Those type of character traits and virtues are going to be popping up out of people and out of the groups that we're a part of when the spirit is involved. And that was like a really, um, just a really huge paradigm shift for me in thinking about how, what it means, you know, what, what we should be centering ourselves on when we expect the spirit to be working. Um, that was really big for me, I think. And um, I just appreciate that about, about, I think at Risk City, that's like a, a value a lot of people have. And that is, excites me because it, it makes me, you know, believe that the spirit is really, is really moving and working um, as we as a church sort, sort of seek it out and follow Jesus. Um, so thanks, guys. Um, okay, so we've, we've hit up on some of this already, but what are some things you guys think we need to be cautious about as we seek the spirit out? Yeah, some things that come to mind for me, and this is probably from experience of seeing it play out as a child with other adults and in, in faith communities, also just myself, is we have to be cautious that we don't form around God's will to our will, and we don't use gifts in a way that has good intentions, but ultimately is selfish. Um, there's two verses that I've heard misquoted ever since I can remember. And if I had the power to put an asterisk in everyone's Bible and say, this doesn't mean what you think it means. But I've heard verses like John 10 that says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Or Psalm 37 that says, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. I've heard those both quoted as essentially free passes to whatever you hear in your head is God. And that's the spirit working and just roll with it. 
And it's so interesting because there's other parts of scripture that say the complete opposite. First John 4 says, do not believe every spirit, test the spirits and see if they're, whether they're from God. And people like often forget that in the story in Matthew 4, when Satan tempts Jesus, he quotes scripture to him. So you can't just think like, the scripture lines up, I want this, this is my desire in my heart, the Lord's going to give it to me. Because ultimately, I think you see this with abuse, and you see this with people acting out in a spiritual way, but again, not passing that Galatians 5 test. It's our selfishness. And I think specifically for me, tongues has been the biggest challenge for me to wrap my brain around because as humans, I think we struggle the most with the outward types of gifts that we have, mostly because, and this is something I'm continuing to work through, is like our baseline human emotion is to signal. We like to signal to other people. We like to signal the house we live in, our job title, our wealth, our beauty, our social status. And so if you don't go back to those kind of frameworks we talked about, are you edifying the church or edifying the body? Are you doing this out of love? What's the point of this thing? I get really nervous because these gifts become, essentially what happens is the gifts become people's identity instead of God being their identity. I've met so many people who introduce themselves as prophets or apostles, but yet like that's their identity, but I don't see the fruit of the spirit with it. And that's where I think we have to be cautious because if we think that whatever thought we have or whatever desire we have in our heart, it's always from God. And then we act like that. We're going to misuse and abuse people with these gifts. And the other word of caution is that just because a gift is working is not a blank stamp approval on all of your theology or whatever you're thinking. I've had so many people say, if this church was wrong, we wouldn't be having all of these healings and things like that. It's like, it's not a retroactive stamp of approval to be mindful of that and always be real, be cognizant of what as humans, our baseline, our selfish nature is. And just, I keep saying it, but go back to Galatians five. And if you keep referencing that, you're going to, it's going to set you straight. Yeah. I think, I think Luke, you know, in first Corinthians, kind of what you're saying is there, it is so interesting because um, Paul does assume he doesn't ever say, you know, the spirit's not working in your midst. Like this is a group of people that are really overly focused on gifts and the different the tongue tongues in particular and these different gifts that can kind of give them status and um, value uh, amongst each other, kind of competing for that in the assembly. And Paul never says, you know, Hey, the spirit's not working, but he is saying like, you guys are really misusing this. You're really misunderstanding it. And, and all of your motivations are totally wrong. You know, it's like you have this, you've been given this gift, but you're using it for a totally wrong purpose. You have a, a spoon and you're trying to use it to um, shovel dirt out of the front of your house. And it's like, that's not what the spoon's for. And um, I just think that's a good, that's a good thought. We have something we have to keep in mind as it comes to us seeking the spirit out. I was also thinking too, just, is it yielding fruit? Um, I think with spiritual immaturity, I think there's a lot of young people or people who are maybe newer in their faith who love the Lord and are super enthusiastic to be a Christian. And we see that and we're like, okay, great. You've got it. But I think without that mentorship, without seeing fruit come from it, we just need to think mentoring and care for the less spiritually mature people in our church. Um, 
yeah, because we just, we want it to be this, the spirit being used. Um, but I was also just thinking that with every gift that I think God has, um, we can, we can also access the non-spirit. Like I just think about, um, too, just from an outsider perspective, um, we need to be cautious that we are seeking out the Holy spirit and not some other, um, spiritual authority or, or cause think about like two, this is a little bit of a tangent, but when Moses in the Exodus story, when he and Aaron are going to Pharaoh, all of Pharaoh's magicians too are, are able to come up with some of the first couple of miracles that he does to counter it. Um, and so I think we also need great discernment, um, just not only to seek out the Holy spirit, but to also discern if it is from him or not. And I think that happens with, with long-term fruit that we see yielded from a situation. Yeah. Those are some really good thoughts there. I think you're right. We, sometimes we have to wait a little bit to see, just have some patience to see whether or not it's God actually moving or not. Like in Acts, there's the, 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 there's this Pharisee, there's this teacher um, named Gamaliel and the Christians get brought before him. And, um, you know, they're asking him, do you think this is legitimately a move of God? And he says, why don't we just wait and see, like, God will prove it over time, whether or not it's him. We don't need to know in this moment. We don't need to, why don't we let it play out? And I think that sort of patience is really a helpful thing when it comes to the spirit too. It's just letting things play out sometimes and just seeing whether or not God is in something or not. Cause ultimately like we need to just figure out where he's moving and that's super important. Um, and Christy, you said something else too, that I just thought was really, was a really good thought about how I think sometimes when we're young Christians or we, or we first come to kind of, you know, talk about the spirit, it can be really exciting to think about all these gifts that come with it. We can almost think of them as superpowers almost, I think. And it can be really exciting to want to use them, but not really know how to use them. And I think that can, you know, lead to a, like a false view of maturity sometimes in people that's not really there just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean you know how to do it necessarily yet. And so I think sometimes, yeah, just again, going slowly, having patience, being willing to be humble and grow when it comes to the spirit is a really good, really good just piece of advice. I think for someone who's seeking out how to grow through the, through the ministry of the spirit. So why don't we, why don't we talk? I just would love to hear your thoughts on what are some misconceptions you think people might have about the spirit and Christian spirituality. So this can be from in the church and outside the church. Krista, why don't we start with you? Yeah. From inside the church, I think there's a misconception that all Christians view spirituality the same way when we've already talked a lot about how there's so many spectrum there's I think even more than one spectrum of, of where you could land on the Holy Spirit and um, his role in the church and in a believer's life today but um, I think outside the church when we think about misconceptions people have about Christians and the spirit um, I think in our American society um, I heard a sermon once where there was a pastor who said that non-believers don't if you're going to call them anything, it's not great to call them non-believers, especially in front of them. They said, if they asked non-believers what they want to be called and they want to be called spiritual explorers. Um, and I, I see that a lot, especially with my students at school. 
a lot of them, one of their first like deep icebreaker questions will ask me is like, what's your astrology sign? And, um, and so, and then that, that apparently tells them everything they need to know about me. (laughs) But, um, I just, I just think about how, um, spiritual explorers look at Christianity and, and they don't necessarily, they see us as spiritual, but not like in an open-minded way. Um, and I think your sermon got at this earlier, Joel, but just this idea of it's like, who is the spirit for? Is it for just us to personally benefit ourselves or is it to benefit everybody else? And so I guess my hope is that like people who are spiritual explorers would eventually see the fruit of what their Christian friends have to offer um, through the Holy Spirit, you know, edifying and, and just making the community in which they live in better. That's a good thought. I do think you're right. Like spirituality is really popular right now. And a lot of people think of themselves as spiritual in some way. And what whatever that means, you know, is going to vary from person to person. But I think it's important to remember that. And this is a way we can connect with people outside the church, I think. Um, but also a way we can, I think, challenge them and also keep ourselves from adopting, I think, that uh, vision of spirituality that we'll find outside the church. Because I do think it's pretty, uh, you're pretty, uh, unique vision for spirituality in the church when we read scripture versus what we find outside of it. I just think too, maybe we could be excited about it. I feel like Paul was really good about gauging just where a culture was on something and then being like, look what we have in common. Look at how great God is and how he's like so much better than, than your cultural take on this issue. So I think Maybe we could do that with spirituality too. Um, and just see how this, I'm, I'm kind of excited for what the future holds. Um, because this does feel like winter, I think in our culture, as far as spirituality goes with, with the Holy spirit. So who knows, maybe, maybe we're up for a revival soon. Um, I think, I mean, a lot was mentioned. I don't want to just, um, repeat everything, but you know, within the church, I think a misconception depends on where you kind of land on that spectrum. You either think that gifts at work is part of a social hierarchy and maybe you're closer to God than other Christians and misconception. The other end is that God did cool stuff and then the Bible got written and it's closed and that chapter is done with and, and the spirit's not moving again. And so, again, it kind of lands where you are internally. Externally, I, I would say it's a it's probably the right conception, the way it plays out, but a misconception, I think that people outside of Christianity have is that the spirit moving in these gifts are not just for the believers. They're supposed to leave the building and go out. I always love thinking and rereading in Genesis 12 when it talks about the blessing that comes to Abram and it says, you will be blessed and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And one thing that continual comes up, and it's kind of a critique of Christianity, I'd say Western Christianity is like, are you being blessed to then continue to bless yourself? Or are you being blessed and then passing that blessing on? And I think from the outside of the church, sometimes like gifts and spirit moving and some of the more funky stuff can seem like an insular kind of like group activity. But that blessing is not moving out into their neighborhoods, affecting the people around them. And so the, the misconception is that's for the Christians. It's their spirituality, their thing. It doesn't leave the four walls. And I think I would like to see that 
misconception shattered. I don't think we're doing good, good, good job of explaining to people and showing them that that's not the truth. But I think that is a conception I hear from people outside of the church. Yeah, good thoughts, you guys. This is great. Let's uh, let's close here. I got one more question for you, and I just would love to hear from you, you, you each personally. What has God been teaching you? What is something you feel like you've learned that you've been meditating on um, the, recently about the Holy Spirit? Recently is a very, very loose word. So you can go back as far as you need to, whatever you think that means. But I'd love to hear that and something you think could be encouraging uh, to other people that are listening to this. I think one thing as I get older, I get a little bit more skeptical. <laughs> I'm not the same quarter on the wall person. I maybe was in college and that's a good thing. Um, but with that, I think comes the need to still be open-handed to how God will move and work in my life. Um, and I talked about it in the, the Sunday that I preached, but this idea of praying audaciously, um, I think there is a gift that I have not mastered, but I'm working on where where you give something to God or you, you pray boldly asking for something, but at the same time you hold in your hand, like, you know, like even if God doesn't choose to answer the prayer, like I want him to, will I still believe that he is good, that he is faithful, that, that he has good for my life um, and all those things. Um, so, so being able to just, I guess, be patient and wait on the Lord and, I think we've, we've mentioned this a couple of times already just in this podcast, but I think there's some themes here about patience. Um, and Joel, you've talked about, I think, walking with God versus running and sprinting um, <laughs> that our God walks and he's a patient God. Um, and so being able to, to join him in that instead of trying to walk ahead and, and trusting that the spirit will help remind me to do that. Yeah, I, I love the word open-handed, Krista. I think that has been like one of the mantras that I've learned the hard way growing up. It's just being humble and just understanding the way my thoughts of things have changed with new information and what I've matured, how just my brain has changed and the way I process things and just being open-handed. I will say I'm very cognizant personally because there is a tendency to kind of overcorrect and swing the other way. And so for me, growing up very steeped in like physical manifestations of the gifts, I have a tendency to want to swing very far the other way. And so the verse about not quenching the spirit is something I come back to a lot. And I find myself wanting to do that and not wanting to get uncomfortable and allowing God to work in ways he wants to. But again, try to fit him through my box, my lens, my lane in a way. Um, and then also just discernment. I think for me, being open-handed and being trying to becoming more humble as I grow as a person and a Christian understanding that like you can never let your guard down in discernment. Um, you sometimes will feel like you've become spiritual enough where you don't need accountability in your life. And that is a huge lie. And so that is something I'm always coming back to the, the verse of the desires of your heart. I do have sometimes again, wanting to run with information and run with something and be quick to do it and not stepping back and walking and having discernment and running it by people and, and consulting the word of God. And so um, just always a work in progress. <laughs> awesome. I'll say, I'll say for me, just, I think I've been really convicted um, that like nothing 
for a, for the life of a Christian, the life of a church, as I think about, you know, how to how you know what I'm doing as past as a pastor is producing what God wants, you know, in our church. Like nothing is going to happen without the work of the Spirit. As you read Scripture, as you read the Book of Acts, um, even in Jesus's ministry, like the Spirit is behind it, all of that stuff that happens. And so if we're going to believe and ask God to do similar stuff in our own work, we have to, we have to be seeking the spirit of God out. And when that happens and when the spirit does move, it's going to fill us with life. Like you said, Krista, it's going to produce, produce green to grow in winters. Um, And we need to, we need to be seeking the spirit out. I, I think if we're not, if we're just relying on our own methods or our own, um, hard work or our own reason or rationality, even some of the stuff I felt like I overcorrected on, um, that stuff is really good, but only if the spirit uses it. And so we need to be people who are seeking the spirit out. And, and like you guys said, I think I had a lot of overlap with what you guys said, which I think is really cool, but let God be God in that and be open, open-handed. Um, and to believe the spirit can work in small all, you know, seemingly natural ways, but as we see things like the fruit of the spirit growing, we can believe that it is the spirit of God that's working in our midst. Um, the spirit doesn't need to, it doesn't need to happen in a big bang. It doesn't need to happen in a very physical manifestation. Like you say, I be- certainly believe the spirit does move that way. And we should, we should expect that to happen, but also not expect that to be the only way the spirit works. Um, thank you guys so much for for hopping on here for sharing kind of being vulnerable sharing your your stories um and sharing your wisdom with us too um i really i really have been excited and have enjoyed working through this series and it's fun to to talk about it with other people here so I, if you're listening to this if you're a member of rest city even if even if you don't come to rest city and you somehow stumbled this stumbled upon this in some other way other way uh it's just our hope and prayer that this blesses you um so thanks for listening you can check this out uh and other podcasts that we've done kind of like this through sermons as well as our actual sermons on whatever feed you're listening to on this on our website residentychurch.org we're on spotify we're on apple um and encourage you to not stop the conversation here even though this series is ending but to continue it on whether it's other people at rest city you seeking it out in some other way you praying audaciously that Krista really did a good job challenging us on as a church in her sermon. Uh, let's not quench the spirit, but let's be wise about it as well and test, test prophecy in the spirit. So thank you guys. Thank you, Krista. And thank you, Luke. And um, we'll talk to you all soon.